0: Welcome to IT Availability Now, the show that tells the stories of business resilience from the people who keep the digital world available. I'm your host, Servaz for Beast. And today I'm joined by Eric Krogstad, Senior National Cloud Architect at SunGuard Availability Services. And we're gonna be discussing the most common questions customers ask about cloud. Eric, thank you for joining us today. Thank you uh, for having me back. Awesome. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have you because I know you provide a lot of great insights. And this is a topic that I know you and I both hold near and dear. Because in dealing with organizations, I know I'm seeing a lot more organizations progressing their cloud journeys. And, you know, most organizations are running around 25% of their workloads in the cloud. And if you look at Flexera State of the Cloud Report, which I love to review with clients on a regular basis, it's a great piece of material. If you haven't read it, I recommend you do. This is up from last year. Um, The percentage of light cloud users has also decreased from 19 to 14% year over year, according to that report. And that's because with so many offerings and so much innovation that's out there, a lot of companies are looking to deploying either a multi-cloud strategy or taking a hybrid approach, right? Yet as businesses become further immersed in the cloud, they naturally still have questions. So... Eric, I know you get to work on the front lines with a lot of clients that are navigating through their cloud journey. What questions typically come up the most?
1: Part of your last statement there about the innovations always happening. The question always comes up around that is, you know, how do we develop a successful or build a successful cloud culture?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, let's start there because that's important, right? Everybody typically focuses on the technology but they often overlook that critical component of driving cloud adoption, which is culture. What can a business do to develop a successful cloud culture in your opinion? So
1: when we say cloud culture, you know, it's really being adaptive and receptive to change and um, understanding that there needs to be guardrails put in place. There needs to be um, certain delineations put down within the organization on Who has the right to set certain things into production? Who has the right to go into development? And then, you know, how a real DevOps program or how a real um, new application would be deployed into an environment. So with the cloud culture aspect, you really want to step back and say, okay, now let's start something with like an agile methodology. Because all this new information comes in so fast, it's, you know, let's have a daily stand up with the team, talk about what the innovations are, talk about how that can affect our company, our applications, and, you know, the IT ecosystem and as a whole. And when we do that, you, you really embrace the cloud culture. You know, you're everybody's on the same page. Um, you have the same alignment uh, throughout all the businesses or even your verticals if you're doing it for customers. And you really get to embrace new technology, have buy-in immediately. And most times, I mean you, you have a set budget, but with the cloud, you know, you can shift spend around. So that can be part of your stand-ups. But it's really about embracing that change and having a structure available that supports that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know, just to kind of summarize it, we're looking at kind of a blend of process collaboration, but not in a way that inhibits innovation, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, when you're establishing a cloud practice or a cloud journey initially and you could greenfield That's usually the easiest part because you don't have to deal with any previous decisions or deal with any political components or siloed opinions or operations methodologies. But, you know, at least I notice from time to time, those are things you have to contend with. So if you've got a circumstance where maybe you've got a group that's operating to the beat of their own drum, or they've got processes that are really outside of the norm because they started leveraging cloud for like a project that was a hobby that turns into a critical business system. How would you say businesses navigate around dealing with those components if they've got to try to bring that back in to establish a successful cloud culture?
1: Oh, that's a a really good question. And I've seen it done many different ways, uh, some good, some horrible. And it almost sometimes creates a faction, right? But when you look to people that were traditionally in charge of a server room or they're they're in charge of an application, you know, they want that application where they can see it, go downstairs, turn a server off with their finger. There's a real control aspect to that. And when you introduce a cloud culture, you know, it's no, oh, that servers can be turned off, turned on. We can redeploy that app at will. You know, you don't get that person's buy in, as you've probably seen as well. So, what I like to do is approach it from more of a neutral standpoint where, you know, everybody gets to win in a way, because I like to explain to the person that's in charge of the application that, you know, you can still have all the power of that application that you want. We're just moving the location of that server somewhere because people really want ownership of stuff, especially if they're in charge of it or if something's not working, you know, the the new DevOps guy is gonna say, my code's fine, it's running in the cloud, you know, not my problem. Application guy doesn't get off that easy sometimes. So creating a mutual buy-in where they're part of the stand up Uh, where they still maintain ownership of that is important and a lot of times when I go into businesses you pick up on the culture really quick what's going on you know what people are looking at um, how people are looking at you I like to really start with why I'm here Um, I even ask myself that every time I walk into a business you know like why am I here what value can I provide today and, you know, I let everybody else know, like, hey, not here for your job. I'm just here to make life easier for everybody involved. Uh, if you own an application, I want you to own that application. But, you know, let's let's start doing something that's more culturally beneficial to your organization and your business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's uh, set up an agile methodology. Let's set up a, a workflow. You know, who's going to be the scrum master? You know, so some people... It, it creates a new opportunity because they've wanted to be in charge in a way, but never had the opportunity, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you do, run a daily stand-up meeting then? And uh, you find out a lot of people really enjoy uh, stepping up into certain roles, volunteering that, you know, may have even been cut off to them in the past. And you get the corporate buy-in, you get the culture buy-in from everybody. And that's where the inroads begin to really creating that culture.
0: Hmm. So then, what it really does is shake up the paradigm of the existing organizational structure. But in doing so, we obviously want to make sure that we're balancing what works for all the stakeholders involved, so that you know everybody kind of feels like they're walking away, or they actually are walking away with a win, because it's driving productivity in the business and it's ensuring that operations can continue on while embracing these new and innovative technologies.
1: Right. Absolutely. And, uh, and I'll, I'll step back again real quick, because sometimes uh, you're not even talking to the IT guys in the room. It's the corporation or the business owners. And, you know, that's a different discussion. But in general, you still lay out that foundry of this is what a cloud culture looks like. This is how it's going to save you money. And this is how operating this will make you more efficient it it really it really helps um, from the business owner down to the IT department that everybody bought into this
0: excellent and and we'll, let's shift gears for a moment because I know we could talk volumes on culture and there's probably questions that come up outside of that so what other types of questions do you typically experience when you're working with an organization on their cloud journey
1: you know i think besides the money saving questions and auto scaling uh, people just love to hear those words, you know, which goes into deeper conversations. But at the end of the day, the looming questions are always around networking.
0: Yeah, I can believe that. That That's one of the more complicated components of integrating these cloud deployments, whether it's SaaS, IaaS, PaaS, you name it. Um, so how do you typically handle those kinds of questions?
1: I usually start off with lifting up into the air from where they're at. So. How many people connect into this office? You know, where do your servers live? Really just take that 50,000 foot view um, just to see, you know, how many data centers they have, where the apps live, how many remote users, you know, how many VPNs. And you start to add all that up. Sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it's none. And then you come down to maybe like thirty thousand feet. Okay, so what do you have as far as web servers? Are they hosted by you? If they are, you know, do you have load balancers in place? Do you have reverse proxies? Do you have different types of Kubernetes stacks running? You know, then we come down to the ten thousand foot view. Okay, so now we're in the data center. You know, how are things logically? segmented. Do you have, you know, a three-tier architecture where, you know, apps live in a different VLAN, databases have their own VLAN, only allow certain port traffic, only allow certain users, you know, do you have jump servers? And then we get to, you know, about landing on the runway and it becomes, okay, how do we put this all together for a cloud? What's going into the cloud from here? You know, are we starting off small? Or are we doing a full transformation? Um, you know, what do we do? And then from there, that's when you start to really figure out what the best way to set up the networks are for them. You know, how won't disrupt users in their, you know, day to day?
0: Yeah. So really just to kind of refine, you know, the vast amount of great content that you've given with that answer, it comes down to starting big and then working your way down small so that you can Make sure you don't lose the bigger picture of how everything needs to speak together on small minutiae. But at the same time, don't lose those critical minutiae that are pivotal to operations.
1: That's right. And and that's why I like to do my little airplane uh, (laughs) summation going from 30,000 feet where I can see all the data centers. You know, down to 10,000, what's what's each data center have? Because you can get inundated with, I have X amount of VPN users. We use this, we use that. And you don't really have a focus point. So, you know, start from the macro and then work your way down to the micro.
0: Now, um, you know, I know we've kind of covered a lot of material, but are there any other questions that come to mind? Because I know we've really traversed a lot of topics, but I'm sure there's at least one more that comes up frequently.
1: Oh, I mean, there's so many. I guess a lot of times people want to know what's the right cloud, which I frequently get. You know, sometimes people have directives where they want to be AWS. They want, they need to, Their company needs to be Azure. Um, and that usually has to do with licensing and things like that. Or, you know, who's given the best deal to onboard or on-ramp them. Mm-hmm. And even mergers, you know. If you're being part of an acquisition, you know, sometimes whoever is acquiring you, you're going to get their IT systems and you got to make yours fit into their environment. And, you know, there's no difference now with clouds in the modern world.
0: Well, it's good you bring that up, too, because I'm sure no matter how you design it, it's always possible to go back and even second guess your decisions because of the way and the rate at which innovation happens in these cloud platforms.
1: 100%. 100%. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, and really, you know, it's what's best for what you do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it it really just comes down to use case. Well, you know, I can see even with the broad scope of topics that we've covered, it really just comes down to establishing a process, ensuring there's collaboration, making sure you have the right stakeholders engaged, and you really understand where they come from. And starting big and, like you said, skydiving out of the plane to get to that minutiae point so you can capture the details of the design and, and really focusing on the use case. And and in doing that framework, it really positions you in a way that even with the broad questions that we've covered, you can address a majority of them, and even some of the, the ones we probably haven't, right, that come up time to time. So, Eric, I really appreciate you giving us some of your time because I know how busy you are to be on the show today.
1: No, I I always love coming here. Uh, It's good conversations, and I think the things we talk about are really useful to people.
0: Mm -hmm. I do agree. Now, that was Eric Krogstad, who is the Senior National Cloud Architect at SunGuard Availability Services. You can find the show notes for this episode at sunguardas.com backslash Now, Please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice to get new episodes as soon as they're available. IT Availability Now is a production of SunGuard Availability Services. I am your host, Sir Voss Verbeest, and until next time, stay available.